755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic with my co-host, former Braves reliever, Eric O'Flaherty. What's up, Eric? What's going on, Dave? Coming to you live here from L.A., uh, about two blocks from the arena formerly known as Staples Center. What is it now? Not two blocks, actually. No, about 200 feet. It's right across the street. I'm right across from uh, the ESPN uh, broadcast thing they have here where they do the late-night ESPN show, Mm. Sports Center, right across the street. Uh, It's called, like, uh, Cryptocurrency Arena or some shit like that. Something ridiculous. (laughs) so sick of this. Oh, that's what it's called, man. Like Cryptocurrency Arena or something. I don't know. Everybody calls it the first name. It's Staples Center. Yeah, that's whatever. I mean, Staples was corporate or not. was corporate. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's crypto is so bad that Staples sounds great. <laughs> it's when it's like, you know, multi, like cryptocurrency. Yeah, multiple words. Yeah, when it's a bunch this, of words arena. I don't know if the, the arena in New Orleans is still that called, but it was Smoothie King Arena. Yeah. And, and then Louisville's is called uh, the Louisville University of Louisville, which makes it even worse. A college arena named after uh, some horrible corporate sponsor is even worse. And their uh their their basketball arena's got some terrible name like that as well. And then old Comiskey in Chicago, what's that called now? I don't even know. Who Guaranteed cares? rate field or something. I don't know. Yeah. Guaranteed was, rate field. <laughs> that's the one I'm talking about. Guaranteed <laughs> rate field. There's no ring to it. It's just horrible. You know, rigged. Imagine you imagine a hundred years from now they're showing pictures. Here's a picture of some old guaranteed rate field in, in <laughs> Chicago's South Side. There's so many bad ones. <laughs> They're horrible. God, truest by by comparison is actually not terrible. It is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the perfect uh, setup, but it's not. What did it used to be called? Sun. What was it? I already forgot. SunTrust. SunTrust, SunTrust sounded better than Truist. Yeah. <laughs> And the original uh, San Francisco, which is now Oracle Field, it's been three, and it was AT&T before that. The original one actually sounded good. It was Pac Bell's corporate, but it made sense. You know, Pac Bell just yeah. made sense out there. I don't know. Anyway. Today you're at Dodger Stadium. Isn't that easy to say? Uh, isn't that glorious? Yeah. Yes, we will be at Dodger Stadium in a few hours and saying hello to Freddie Freeman, old friend Freddie. Oh, by the way, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, on YouTube, remember to, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to check out our sponsors in the description. There you go. Make sure you do that. They keep us, they keep us going here. So, so the Braves are are coming into this thing. They're they're hovering back and forth around 500, a game above game or game below, right at 500. Uh, They went out to San Diego, had a good start to that series, one, two out of the first three, and then Lost two one yesterday to even to to split that series like they split the series with uh, with uh, who they start with a series loss to the Reds and split with the Nationals so they split two and lost one. Yeah. Um, I thought there was a lot again. I thought there was a lot positive coming out of that yesterday and or that series in San Diego. The place was packed. I mean, that didn't used to draw anybody out there when the Braves came, and now it was packed. Man, it was their home opening series. And it was loud. You remember it used to be laid back crowds in San Diego? Oh, it was loud, man. It was, was totally it? just night and day from what it used to be. So many uh, people ask me about that park. You know, what 
just because everybody thinks San Diego is going to be so cool. But, you know, I always go off the environment and I always thought that park sucked because there was nobody there. Yeah. You know, and, they, and the people now. that were there were, it seemed like they were just walking by and bought a ticket. They weren't, they weren't making any noise. Yeah. That's different now that more that's like cool. what you saw last year, those Padres Dodgers games early in the season yeah. when it was so loud, it was a lot closer to that atmosphere with the Braves in town. And I'm sure the Braves are going to get that a lot of places they go as the defending World Series champions, you know. Yep. So, um, and they played him without Tatis. Obviously, he's still recuperating from his broken wrist from his idiot mistake in the offseason when he wrecked a motorcycle. Uh, I saw so, a video of him yesterday falling down playing soccer yeah, in the outfield. Yeah, <laughs> kicking the soccer ball. So you had no Tatis and no Ozuna. So, uh, no, not Ozuna. No, Acuna. So anybody that bought a ticket, you know, months ago expecting to see – Tatis and maybe thought Acuna would be back by then. Probably was disappointed, but uh, split two games and and even losing yesterday two one, a lot for the Braves to be encouraged by that by the fact that every out in that game was recorded by two prospect slash rookie pitchers yeah. who were in the twenty twenty draft and were not and they're only. The only players from the 2020 draft who've made the majors already that weren't in the first round of that draft, both of them pitched yesterday for the Braves and recorded all the outs in that game in a 2-1 loss. I mean, two runs, three hits, a few too many walks, obviously. But yeah, I was really impressed with Elder because, you know, I'm sure if you asked him how he pitched yesterday, he'd say terrible. You know, five walks, three hits, base runners on every inning. But the fact that he could be bad, the bad version of himself, right? Yeah. And still find a way to get through almost five innings and only give up two runs. I mean, he gave up eight base runners and only two scored. Um, that's that's yeah. a sign because how many rookies have we seen come up and get in that trouble he got in the first inning yeah. and their whole outing just collapses and they wind up going one or two innings with a seven spot. So yeah. that's that's kind of a big you know first test to see him pass. And his quotes, you know, this guy has, has already shown that he's really mature beyond his years, and his quotes reflected that. He said, I made pitches kind of when I needed to, but give them that many free passes, and it's usually not going to turn out good. Um, I think I learned a lot as far as being out there and being in those situations, but at the same time, I've known forever, if you walk four or five guys and hit somebody, which he also did, yeah. it's going to be a long day, and I don't mean long as in the sense of throwing a lot of innings either. He said, I did learn stuff. But you can't be walking that many people and expect to have a ton yeah. of success. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, if you talk to any anybody that's had a decent career, you know, starting and starting pitching in baseball, they'll, they'll say, you know, there's only going to be like one out of five starts where you feel great. Yeah. A majority of them, you're going to feel like he felt yesterday. Yeah. And what separates the guy that's riding that bus back to AAA and the guy that's, you know, getting a long-term deal is the guys that get the long-term deals and stay in the league – they're able to work through that start he had yesterday. And if you just looked at it, four innings, you know, two runs, it's not that bad. But he knows how yeah. he threw the ball. And and he was able to work through and battle, get out of some jams. And and he really did. When he needed, absolutely needed to make a pitch, yeah. he pretty much did. Snit said, I was impressed with him today. Yeah. By being like that in the jams he got in, not letting the dike break, he kept us in the game and he gave us a great opportunity to come back and win this game. I saw a lot of maturity out of him. Uh, yeah. Strider as well. Strider issued three walks, two in one inning, but he helped the Padres hitless for three and two thirds scoreless. Struck out three of the last four batters he faced, and he had a great point. He said that you know he's only made five professional relief appearances. He was a starter before that, so he's still trying to get 
you know, the rhythm as far as when to warm up, how to yeah. get into the game. So he really was missing a little bit and getting into his rhythm in that first inning. But after that, he was the same dominant guy, especially in that last inning. You know, he struck out four out of uh, three of the last four batters he faced. For him to go three and two-thirds again, uh, he's obviously stretched out and could start, and maybe yeah. he will be the sixth starter next time around if they if they go with six and don't, don't, and don't uh, stay with five, given the off day they might go with five. Who knows? Um, they haven't announced yet, but – this guy is tied for the major league strikeout lead among relievers. Eleven and nine innings over three appearances. Yeah, he's given up just three hits, one run. That was after he left the game. Six walks. Well, I mean, it's he's he's looking to me like he's going to start pretty quick. You know, um, I, I think it's huge having a guy. You know, it's one thing. It's one thing to have a guy in the pen that can throw three innings for you when it's yeah. eight nothing. Right. But to have a guy that you can come in and trust for right. three innings to wrap up, you know, a game that you might lose, but you're only down a run, yeah, and keep it right there is a totally different tool to have in your bullpen. Yeah, agreed. To keep that game right there and give the offense, you know, last year that uh, once the offense gets clicking, I'm sure it'll be like last year. But last year you would have counted on them to win that game. Oh yeah, that's a win. Before. Last few years, yeah, like yeah. 20, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. Those are games that if you if you had a guy like him that you could throw three and two thirds and get zeros out of, yeah, you almost guarantee you at least tied that game and probably won it. And when you get Acuna back, which we'll get to in just a second, in two and a half weeks, that lineup is going to look scary, man. Um, yeah. I got I was crunching numbers a while ago. Marcelo Zuna. 11 games into the 2021 season last year, he was eight for 40, hitting 200 with one extra base hit, 15 strikeouts, 579 OPS. Then he went 0 for 9 in his next two games after that. So he was hitting 178 with a 519 OPS after 13 games. Compare that to this year, 11 games into 2022. He's 14 for 44, hitting 318, seven extra base hits instead of one, four home runs. Five strikeouts in 44 at-bats, a 985 OPS. Leads the majors with 25 hard-hit balls. That's 95 miles an hour or, or higher off the bat. Doesn't just lead him. He's 25% above the next highest in that category, number of hard-hit balls. Four-way tie for second with 19 apiece. Matt Olson is one of those four, along with Rafael Devers, Manny Machado, and Wanda Franco. So pretty good company that Ozuna leads. I mean – I'm trying to think, you know, what the what the strategy is against him, and it's kind of like when he when he's locked in because he goes through phases where he's not really locked in, and you feel like you can get him out front off balance and, and yeah. pitch to him. But when he's locked in, you know, there's not really a weak spot because his his swing's short, you know, and it's oh, it's, yeah. it's compact, and he's got so much bat speed. You know, you can't just pitch to one spot against him. You try to pound him in, he can turn on it. You go away. You've seen him. I mean, he will at least lace a ball off the right field wall. But he'll probably hit a homer the other way. Um, he's one of those guys that it's almost like it, you just don't let him beat you when he's locked in. And, you know, the reason it works so well in the Braves lineups because he's got guys behind him, right? He's got guys hitting. Yeah. But, you know, pretty soon, if, if I'm attacking the Braves, I'm going to say we got to let Darno beat us once we get to Ozuna, you know, because yeah. Travis isn't necessarily struggling. But you get past Travis right now, 
the bottom third of that lineup's really struggled. Yep. And I just I think you know he can't keep getting pitched to. You, they have to see if he's willing to take a walk. Is what if if I was talking to my staff? Yeah. That's what I would say. I'd say, look, we got to find out if this guy's willing to walk. I think he's only walked like once this year. Yeah. So he's getting stuff in the zone. He's not going to miss it. So you almost have to just bait him out and see if he'll chase. I tell you what, man, just look for me, a layman looking, his bat is in the zone for so long. He does, He's not one of these launch angle guys that you can nope. get out of rhythm and strike out because he's not up there looking at Jack and looking, swinging up. His bat is flat in that zone for so long, and he whips it through there, man. He whips it. He's so strong. You know, I mean, he doesn't have to lift the ball to get it out. He can hit a line drive homer. Anything yeah. he hits in the air has got a shot to go out. Yeah, he hits it hard, no doubt. Um, his hard hit swing rate, by the way, also th- uh, leads the majors 30.1%. So every time he swings, 30.1% of the balls are coming off at 95. Nearly one third <laughs> of his swings produce 95 or higher. As a team, the Braves have the fourth hit. And here's where it's legitimate to say they've had bad luck and that's going to change. The Braves have the fourth highest percentage of balls barreled behind the Yankees, White Sox, and Giants, so second in the NL. Third highest MLB average exit velo behind the White Sox and Yankees, so highest in the NL. Their expected slugging percentage on 262 batted balls is 516, which was second highest in the majors behind the White Sox. But entering yesterday's games, the Braves had an expected batting average of 525 on hard-hit balls, an actual average of 444. That differential between expected and average fourth highest in the majors. So they're hitting balls red at people. I know people get get tired of hearing that kind of thing, but they really are. And conversely, their pitchers are getting a lot of soft contacts that, that hits are dropping in for, for singles. Well, I think that's what's, you know, that's what's so frustrating for hitters in today's game and, and why the banning the shift has been brought up because of that whole, you know, you pitch them and position the same, those two things work together. So you're playing a guy a certain way and then you pitch them how you're playing them. Yeah. And guys can get their pitch and hit it hard right into the shift. Or, you know, they, they play you shallow in left field because they know you don't drive the ball the other way. And you get that blooper and they're able to come in and catch it. They have so much data right now that has made it extremely hard on hitters to get knocks. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm still in the camp of you should bunt and slap the ball the other way and do that stuff if they're giving it to you. But it's it's a lot easier said than done against 100 miles an hour right. and a lot of the stuff these guys are facing. Um, but I was watching the Dodgers game yesterday. And Freddie came into the game hitting like, I don't know, 200-something, real low 200s. And they were saying saying the same thing, how he had been hitting the ball really hard. Yeah. Next thing you know, he gets a couple of soft singles and then hits the ball hard and it falls in. He winds up going four for five and he's batting 340 now. Just like last year, the way he started Just last like year. last year. So, I mean, that, that that type of stuff, you know, it can it can flip pretty quick. All you can do is hit the ball hard as a hitter. Yeah. The Braves pitchers – entered Sunday with the third lowest hard hit rate in the majors, 33.6%. But their 464 ERA today is seventh highest in the majors. So, you know, those two don't obviously square. Um, and right. I think there'd be some correction eventually with that. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. We got Freddie Freeman tonight at Dodger Stadium. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of excitement at home, people watching this. But the general reaction I got from talking to people is, you know what? We've moved on now that the season started. We've gone through spring training. Now the season's starting. They're focused on play, and they're not focused on Freddie. The guys love Freddie, but they're not th- they really weren't thinking about that coming in. They were thinking about San Diego while they were down there. 
And I'm sure it's going to be weird when they first see him in a Dodger uniform, but they're going to get over that pretty quick and realize we're facing a really good Dodger team and uh, getting down to business. It's not going to be like a sentimental coming, uh, you know, hey, Freddie tour stop here. It's going to be uh, baseball pretty quick. Yeah, let's go beat his ass. You know, I yeah. mean, you're not going to just groove one because you missed the guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you're used to it in pro ball. Your teammates get released, guys you really like, teammates get released, teammates get traded, you know, guys get called up to the big leagues. You, you're losing your teammates all the time. And, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of why it was so rare to have a guy like that in one place for as long as he was. But once the season starts, usually, you know, if a guy gets traded in spring training, you miss him or whatever, or if he signs or somewhere else, you kind of notice it in spring training, but it's just spring training. Once the season hits, you're like, wow, they're really gone. Yeah. And then you play two or three games and you're so wrapped up, even in just in the season in general, you're so wrapped up in each day that it yeah. probably feels to most of those guys like Freddie's been gone two years now. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, a lot was made of Dan's comments at, at uh, spring training you know, when he said nobody should wear Freddie's jersey and somebody misquoted him as saying that nobody will use his locker. He never said that. And they're obviously not doing that. Darno's using his locker. So that was all a bunch of BS. But uh, I did ask Dansby about, you know, what's it going to be weird to see him and all that. And, uh, and Dansby said, you know, I don't know. He goes, it's go- it'll be good to see him. First of all, we've texted and talked about like my wedding coming up. He's getting married in December. Dansby is. I've been giving him a hard time telling him he better be there, that kind of stuff. Because I don't know, I feel like both parties at this point were big boys. Uh, we're big boys. We're grown ups. Moved forward. He's able to come back home. You know, Freddie's from out here. Obviously, he said we got a phenom- and we've got a phenomenal guy over there at first base too. It'll just be good to see him. I always like seeing him. Talking about the phenomenal guy being Matt Olson, of course, who's off to a very strong start with the Braves. Yeah, well, you definitely miss him a lot more if you call the dude up from AAA that can't pick it and he's hitting a buck seventy-five. Right, right, right. You know, I mean. Like we talked about so many times when it first happened, is they they did it in the one way that can that can make you yeah. forget pretty quick. Yeah, AJ Mentor, you know he's he obviously knows he's probably going to face Freddie at some point during his series, being lefty yep. and all that. He said, "I was thinking about that." He goes, "I don't think I've ever faced him." He said, "Not in live BP spring training. I don't think I ever faced him at all." He goes, "I'm looking forward to it. Definitely got to watch Freddie a lot over the past few years." So hopefully it's going to be a new experience facing him in the next few days. Uh, Charlie Morton, you know, he's got a great perspective on everything, being around forever, and he's just such a thoughtful guy. And uh, uh, Freddie is six for 12 with a double and a homer against Charlie, most of that before Charlie became a really good pitcher. But Charlie said, I don't like pitching against former teammates. I don't like that. He goes, but I don't <laughs> really think about guys like that, people that I play with especially a guy like Freddie too, because about an at bat or a game or maybe a game where I face him, he goes, it's more of my hope for him is that he's in a good spot and that he gets to the spot where he loves it and feels at home and settles in out here because he gave everything he had to the Braves. There's always going to be a part of him that's stuck with the Braves. And I just hope he gets to a spot where he's at peace with it. I like that. Yeah. I remember the first time I faced so playing with Freddie, it was one thing, but then the first time I faced him was when my respect for him as a hitter really grew uh-huh. because I made some damn good pitches to him and he fouled him off. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was, I got him out. I think both at bats, I got him out, but they were, they were battles. Like I, it took everything I had out of me to get this guy out and normally lefty lefty, yeah, you know, that's your break and you get ready for the righty you're going to have to battle with, but I threw him. I threw him everything I had, and it was like you know, I'd, I'd nut a pitch, sinker, yeah. 
coming back, starting as a ball, down and away, right where I wanted it to, hit the glove, and he'd just stick his ass out and flick it into the, you know, the third base <laughs> yeah. dugout. Yeah. And, you know, it's as a pitcher, you're like, I can only do that so many times out of ten. Yeah. And he just he just burned four of them, you know. So eventually I'm gonna make a mistake. And the the second at bat I faced him, I did make a mistake, but he just missed it and flew out to the warning track and center. But you go through a battle like that with a guy, sometimes it's really nice to play against the guy you've played with for a long time because your respect really grows and you're like, damn, all right, I get it now. That reminds so, me of the at bat that Hosmer had yesterday against Strider. Oh God. He does that every day. Yep. 12 pitches, man. He fouled off 12. Uh, I think it was 12 balls yesterday against Hosmer and uh, Elder. I mean, against uh, Strider and Elder. Something to be said about that. You know, those those tough at-bats that, that guys just never give away. You know, giving yeah. away an at-bat. There's nothing better like coming out of the pen or something and the guy swings first pitch, grounds yeah. out to shortstop. Yeah. You're basically just like, okay, now I just have to throw two outs and I get credit for a whole inning. Right. But when the first dude makes you grind and you've thrown 13 pitches and you got, even if you get them out, yeah, you're still looking at a long outing to get through it. So lineups that lineups that are full of guys like that are really right. a pain in the ass. Smith said about Freddie, because I'll be honest with you, it'll be neat to see him. But once the game starts, I'll be aware of where he's at in the lineup coming up and all that. But I haven't really thought about it, honestly. Yeah. Smith, you know, as a guy who said, I'm close friends with him a good rest of my life, but that he's just not thinking about it, hasn't been thinking about it. So, um, Basically, the, the, the gist of everything was they've moved on and that's passed and they're going to get this out of the way and then it's not going to be weird facing him after this. Although I'm sure he's going to get a big standing roll when he comes home to uh, Atlanta for the first time. Then they can move past that too. But Freddie uh, turned 30. He turned 32 in September. We'll be 33 this September. He's off to a good start with the Dodgers after that game you talked about yesterday. Now he's hitting 324, three doubles, three walks, 786 OPS through nine games. But Olsen, altogether different what he's done so far he's getting yeah, 421 he's 421 four doubles two homers a major league lead in 11 walks and a 1235 ops in 11 games that includes six multi-hit games in 11 well and that's another thing too you know with Olsen swinging the bat that way you yeah. can only have so many guys you're not going to let beat you in the lineup so like what i was saying earlier with ozuna ideally he'd be a guy the way he's swinging it where you say we're not going to let him beat us Right. But you already did that with Olsen. That's why he's walked so many times. Right. Right. So, I mean, the, the especially getting Acuna back, this this lineup's going to be fine. Um, obviously, they're two of the best defensive first basemen in baseball. Some think they are the best first basemen in baseball. Freddie won a gold glove in 18. Probably should have one or two others. Olsen's won two, 18 and 19. And some people that see him now say he is the best defensive first baseman. But he turned 28 last month. Uh, Charlie said he's great in the clubhouse. Talking about talking about Mols, uh, talking about uh, Olson. Uh, yeah, talking about Matt Olson. He said, and Charlie valued chemistry like more than anybody. I mean, he's right. huge with him. He said, I mean, he's calm, he's friendly, he's a great fit. If it had to happen that way, I love love watching him play. I love having him in the clubhouse. I've played against him a few times when we were with the Astros in the West, AL West, and I faced him with the Rays. So I've been paying attention to him. And when I heard there was interest, I thought, man, if he has, if it has to come to Freddie going somewhere else, I can't imagine having a better replacement than this guy. So, Nope. That uh, sums it up. Yeah. Uh, and the Braves weren't really thinking about facing Freddie, but I tell you what they are thinking about. Getting Ronald Acuna back. Folks, we got a date. We got a rehab start time. And we got a date for the return. He is going to play – Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, for the Gwinnett Stripers at Jacksonville. 
So if you live in the Jacksonville area, you might want to get out there and see Ronald Acuna's first game since last July because he's going to play, weather permitting. And there's no bad weather, I don't think. So uh, the plan is for him to play with triple the triple A team a couple of weeks and be ready to return to the major league lineup May 6th in a series opener against Milwaukee at Truist Park. That could change. Doesn't sound like they're considering moving it up sooner. But if the medical staff decided he needed a few more days or something, or you know, if they gave us rain or something and it set him back, he could it could wait a little longer. But that's the date. That's the target date. And so far, they've kind of met every target they've talked about. So that's what I would uh, I would count on that. I was thinking maybe it'd be for that Mets series before that up there, but they're not going to do it just to you know get him ready to play the rival Mets and all that. As much as I know some people would like that, they're going to stick with what their uh, the medical people have said. And they don't medical people don't really care about who they're playing this or that game. And May sixth yeah. is the target date. Well, that'd be nice. That's though. big moves, man. Yeah. You could get Rosario out of the lineup, you know, and he's really struggled. You know, you could uh, the plan was to move him over to left field, uh, but they got to get him going. So he's really struggling. But uh just adding Acuna, removing one of those three guys that's really struggling at the bottom of the lineup and adding one of the best bats in the baseball. Uh, to a lineup that's had five or six guys going now. So they it really, they really should uh, be a huge boost, especially with Albies doing what he's doing in the leadoff spot. He had four homers in five games before yesterday. Yeah. If you could move him down in the order a little bit where there's a runner on base when he comes up, he could do some damage. Yeah, I'm looking at it, trying to think how I'd, how I'd lay it out. Yeah. But, I mean, you have to, you have to bat Acuna leadoff. He's I think. going to. Yeah, Snip made it clear yesterday. I asked him about that. <laughs> Would do Ozzy doing what he's doing? Snip made it clear. Ozzy steps aside when Acuna gets back because Ozzy yeah. he's got he's got four home runs, but he's he doesn't he's got more <laughs> homers than singles this year. It's not like he's getting on base a lot, you know. A ton. Yeah. He's not. He's hitting for power. And just you know whatever it is that clicks with Acuna in the leadoff spot, yeah. you don't want to mess with that. Yeah. Snit said, "I'm sure he's excited to play a real game under the lights and all that." Talking about the Tuesday night game at Jackson. Yeah. He said it's going to be some kind of boost for this club when he gets back at the top of the order. And that's when I said, uh, you know, about Ozzy. I said, so just we're, we're clear. It's not going to be like a transition with him going back to lead off and Ozzy staying there for a while, right? And he said, nope. Snit said, uh, he said, because uh, uh, Ozzy leads major league hitters right now, major league leadoff hitters with four homers, by the way. All of those in the last five games before yesterday, didn't homer yesterday. Uh, but Acuna's combo of speed, power, higher average, and OBP, that's just – it's just such a formidable challenge for pitchers to start games, man. They go up there. I know they go up there thinking about, okay, I cannot make a mistake to this leadoff guy. The first pitch he's going to hit out if I do. Yeah. Then you got to deal with Olsen and he's on second yeah. if he missed it, you know, with yeah. a double and, Azuma, and you're not, and Riley, you're not losing. Yeah. You're not losing any power either. You know I mean? You can, nah, you can be excited about Ozzy's leadoff homers, but you're not going to lose any power, but you're going to get just as many leadoff homers from Acuna and, Right. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just that once you get one of those spots out of the bottom of the lineup that's really struggling and maybe Dansby gets going, yeah, you're, you really got your hands full as a pitcher. Albies has more homers than singles. He's got three singles, five homers, um, or four homers. Four. He's, yeah, he's got more than twice as many strikeouts as walks, so he's not you know really a typical leadoff guy, even though he's dangerous there, obviously, and he's marked him. Um, Ozzy's had runs where we've hit him lead off and he's really done well too, Snit said. But yeah, he's going to move aside when Ronald turns. 
I think Ronald really likes leading off. Ozzy's a versatile player within a batting order because he can hit in a lot of places. We've hit him fourth. We've hit him about everywhere, and they have, yeah. especially at all four of the top spots in the order. Well, that's another reason to do it too, because Ozzy's he's hit everywhere. Yeah, you know, there's not a there's not a spot in the lineup you put him in that he doesn't hit. Snet said, "I don't think that the spot is going to change Ozzy's approach or anything." No. When he gets it going like that, get him down with some guys on base, knock him in. The, the kid drove in 100, over 100 runs last year. He provides you a lot of versatility in, in an order. Uh, and I looked at it, looked at the numbers from last year. Albies hit uh, 259 with career highs and 30, 30 homers and 108 ribbies last year. Had more than 100 plate appearances at each of the first four spots in the order last year. But his most PAs, most plate appearances, and by far his best average – and his best OBP, best slugging percentage, all came from the third spot in the order. He had mm. 296 last year at the third spot with an 860 OPS, 48 ribbies in 54 games from that third spot. Damn, I wouldn't have seen that. No. So I don't know if you put any you know, weight in that. Do you go Acuna, Olsen, Albies, Ozuna, Riley, something like that? I don't think you can go wrong with those first five, but man, how about yeah, I don't like moving five? Riley down the way he's swinging it. Yeah, it's uh you could. I mean, this this is one of those things though that you know it doesn't have to make sense if it works. Right, right, and, and you can and shift them a little bit here and there. You can and toy around with it, find whatever blend works the best, and if you have a game where you know you try something new and you score seven runs. But yeah. you just don't touch it till you need to. I just think I would build around Acuna first and Olsen second, and then from yeah. there it's kind of interchangeable parts probably. God, that's a brutal start to the game. Oh, man. One one guy gets up there, well, you make a mistake, he's going to hit it out. The next guy is going to make you pitch to him or he's going to draw a walk. And you might have two guys on base then. Yeah, then you got Riley Nozuna to deal with. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I looked it up. Acuna from the leadoff spot. Dude, since the beginning of the 2019 season, 947 at-bats from the leadoff spot, 72 home runs Damn, from the leadoff spot. <laughs> well, but the, the best thing about him in the leadoff spot is you still have to treat him, especially that first step out of the game when he's coming up with no outs. Yeah. You have to treat him like a speed guy and you can't walk him. Right, right. You know, because I don't know how much he'll be running this year. But he could still score from first on a double, even if he's not stealing a bag. And you got three candidates to hit a double or homer right behind him. And speaking of that speed, they could use that. You know the Braves are the only team that hasn't stolen a base so far? Yeah. They've only tried once. Yeah. Uh I asked how I asked Snit how what he hears about Acuna so far down in uh extended spring, and he goes, he had a homer the other way in a scrimmage or extended spring game. He goes, Everything's good. He feels good. So so everything's been really, really good so far. So yeah, see, I think there'd be more stolen bases with these bigger bases, right? <laughs> yesterday, uh, by the way, yesterday, it wasn't like they were going up against a, sla- a slouch either because even though the Braves have hit Hugh Darvish a lot. He's you know, nasty. Recent, he's nasty, man. And he uh, yesterday was nasty again for the first time against the Braves in a long time. Ozuna's seventh inning leadoff homer was their only run against Darvish yesterday, the only run of the game. So Darvish uh, – he was really solid yesterday. When you watch Darvish pitch, though, you just don't know how he doesn't do that every time. I know. That's what I said to uh, uh, Justin Toscano, the new age, the new AGC beat writer. said, you know what? Watching Darvish, I don't know how anybody hits him. Ever. He's got like six pitches, and he's nasty. Those They're all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
that's just, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. But so you can, you know, even if he comes in with a four and a half ERA, yeah, and throws seven shutout against you, it's nothing to hang your head about. <laughs> You're just dealing with a dude throwing 97 with curveball slider. I don't know if it's a split or a changeup. I mean, and all of it's all of it's moving a ton, and at and at high velo. So I don't know. I mean, there's there's no. It's easy to get shut down by him. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. I thought the Braves had uh, that series really got off to a good start. The Braves had lost four out of five games before they came in and they had scored three runs or fewer five times in their last six games before uh, Friday, the second game in the series, actually. Adam Duvall hits a two-out, two-run double in the eighth inning, broke a tie, and then he scored a wild pitch in that same inning. They went five to two. That was the Padres' home opener, packed house. And Duvall doing what he did last year. This guy is clutch. He is phenomenal with runners in scoring position last year, and especially with two outs and runners in scoring position. Uncanny how this guy does it in those situations. You know, some guys just, they feed off that pressure. And it almost like, you know, it makes you do less and just accept what the situation kind of, what the pitcher gives you. Yeah. You know, it's like why we talked about it's so hard to close out games. For whatever, for whatever reason, it feels like hitters try to put their numbers up, you know, yeah. fifth up until the seventh or eighth inning. And then all of a sudden you get to the ninth and guys are like, well, if I don't get a hit here, we lose. And then they're yeah. willing to do certain things like go the other way. So maybe, you know, coming up with bases loaded and no outs, he thinks I can get a ribby with a sack fly. Yeah. Winds up running into a homer or whatever it is. But some some guys, it just seems like pressure almost simplifies the situation for them where they just think about getting it done for the team. Yeah. And it's not about them. And then they come up and hitting a blowout, 8 nothing, and they're like, you know, trying to pad their stats and they punch out or pop up. But whatever it is about him, he seems to he seems to really lock in when there's pressure. He's one for two with a double and a walk with runners in scoring position, two outs this year. Last year, he did it all year with the Marlins and then the Braves. But after the trade to the Braves especially, he hit 393, 11 for 28 with the Braves in those situations with four doubles, five homers, and a team-best 1433 OPS in those situations after that trade to the Braves in July. I mean, he just killed it in those spots. Uh, Snit said – he did it all year in 21. He torched us when he was with the Marlins. And then so many big RBIs and big hits for us when we got him again. That was the perfect guy to be up in that spot Friday was talking about. So Yeah. Resorting. Go ahead. I kinda, oh, I kind of had something, you know, just, just on that um, kind of clutch stuff. You know, I'd have situations where I got thrown up. You know, we're facing the Nationals and we're up by one run and I got Morse, Zimmerman, and Worth yeah. or something. Like just a bad matchup for me. And it was almost like I tried to do less because I knew I couldn't make a mistake. It'd be like, yeah, they they call a fastball down the way. I I wouldn't even try to throw hard, and you wouldn't lose any velocity doing this. Yeah, but it'd just be like I have to make this pitch, and so it was almost like having no room for error made me focus so much more. Versus, you know, we I'd wind up you know having a one two three inning or getting out of a crazy jam. Then a week later, we'd be playing the Pirates. There'd be 10,000 people in the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be up by four, and I'd just come in in la-la land, yeah. you know, with all, all this room for error, and I'd wind up giving up two runs. Right. And so right. it's kind of like I, I think that's that's kind of something that happens with a lot of guys in those big situations is, you know, failure just can't be an option. Like closers when they come in in non-safe situations. 
and they've given up every time because yeah. they can fail. You know, it's yeah. not like you tell yourself it's time to fail, but yeah, it, when failure You're just can't runs. happen or you lose the game, it's just so much easier yeah. to lock in. Uh, Rosario had two errors in that Thursday, 12 to one loss. That was an ugly game. And they came back yeah. the next day with that sharp game. So that was impressive. But that first game in San Diego was ugly. Yeah. He had two errors in that game. And uh, at that point, he was minus five in defensive runs saved. He's at minus two now, which is still the worst in the majors among right fielders. But uh, played a lot better in the last couple of days out there, obviously. But uh, the, the thing with him is, you know, I know he's not that bad defensively, and that'll that'll work itself out in a hurry. But I just can't believe how long it's taken him to get going and start. He hit two balls hard yesterday, which yeah, was an improvement. But for that guy to only have one hit right now, when he literally during the during the postseason last year, and especially in the LCS, <laughs> he couldn't get him out. Especially yeah. in the LCS, he was just ridiculous. Tommy Pham's hit no thirty eight with a two thirty two OPS with the Reds. He's the lowest in the majors in both those categories among qualified players. If Rosario had a few more plate appearances to qualify, though, he would be last in the majors in both. He said an 034 with a 186 OPS. That's not OBP. That's OPS. Mm. One for 29 with a single four walks. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, early in the season. I know. If he did it in the middle of the season and he was hitting 300, then he had a stretch like this, nobody would even notice, really. You dropped down to 280. Right. It'd be a slump, and you'd be, but it wouldn't be you know, cataclysmic like it seems when you start the year with that. It's just yeah. really bad timing. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks to get off to a bad start because there's no padding for your numbers. I mean, it just shows yeah. exactly how bad you are right now. And it's on the big board. It's not like in the old days, you know. It's on the huge video board now. Your ERA <laughs> is just like your batting average, your OPS. All the stats are up there nowadays on most of the video boards. Back in the day, somebody would have had to look it up to know what you are when you come up. Yeah, you know, they they might have your batting average, but some guys <laughs> didn't even have that. Yeah, so and they post a little fun. paragraph underneath with how bad yeah. you are. Only hit yeah. him to strike out eleven times this season so far. Yeah, I I hated that. Uh, you know, just what it does for your confidence, what it does for the other team. I hated getting off to a slow start for that fact because you come jogging in, you know, you come in to Coors Field in the seventh inning with the game on the line, and they post your nine point six ERA up there. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're just thinking about the confidence it's given the other hitters. Even if they know you're a good pitcher, they know you suck right now, you know, and, and you want to get that thing off that scoreboard as soon as possible. But that's definitely one of the worst parts is or even warming up. You know, you're warming up in the pen. And a lot of times they'll put the reliever name on that on that little LED board up, up there above the yep. bullpen yep. and your ERA. And it just gives the fans down there so much ammo. And so you're just you're kind of warming up as the dude that sucks. And then you come into the game and everybody's yelling at you, what are you doing in here type of stuff. It's it's kind of like you just want to get out of that situation and, and get on a good, you know, get get on a good run and get your numbers back to normal as soon as possible. Just before we uh, go here. I uh, we talked about Kyle Wright a last last a lot last time after his terrific season debut. Well, he did it again, man. We talked about how it seems like he's turned a corner in his career after that World Series appearance, then a really good spring training, a couple starts, and then a season debut. Well, he did it again, and uh, against the Padres, he came out in a matchup of the third and fifth overall picks in the 2017 draft. The difference being. Mackenzie Gore of the Padres, 23 years old. He was drafted out of high school. Kyle Wright's 26, was drafted out of Vandy. 
Kyle Ryan has already had already pitched in 20 regular season games over five parts of five seasons. And this yeah. guy was making his major league debut. Yep. At 23. Uh, and Gore looked Gore pitched well. He looks good, but right pitch better. And Kyle really is uh he's really solidifying that spot in the rotation. Um, so to, to get what he, they've done out of him and then to get that bounce back by Ian Anderson, which was huge on Saturday. Yeah. Cause that, that was a concern after, cause he had struggled in spring training and then came out and really had a bad outing in his first start uh, of the season. So for him to bounce back, like he did, Ian looked really good in that game, man. He looked like himself in that game, some strikeouts, no walks. Uh, he made some adjustments in the bullpen between starts, staying on the rubber, and letting, yep. his, letting his arm, as they say, catch up, and get through the zone. Yep. And, and, and I just thought it was night and day. Just You know, most people don't understand how you can make adjustments in the bullpen and be so different, but it, but some guys do it, man. Oh, it's – I mean, it's everything. And, yeah. you know, you get tired of hearing it. This guy, you know, you're separating your hands a, a quarter second earlier. And it, it yeah. th- that is what drives you nuts about baseball is that – you yeah. can go, and I was the same way in my career. I was good for either a two ERA or a seven and a half. There was no middle ground because I was either locked in or I was trash. And it's yeah. like almost every time it'd be the slightest adjustment that you could barely even catch on video. And all of a sudden the ball's just getting on the hitters, you know, a little bit faster. And there's a little bit better trajectory on your pitches and they're breaking a little later. And all of a sudden you just cruise through six innings, you know, shut out. And that's that's kind of like that's what's so hard about being a major league pitching coach is they have to figure out that puzzle before a guy self destructs, yeah. and eventually you learn how to do it um, as a player too for yourself. But I mean that look at the difference in Kyle Wright. If you slow down his mechanics, yeah, I bet you don't see a big difference, right? But right. look at how he's finishing right. his pitches. I haven't seen him throw that aggressively. Where it's almost like he's pitching less and he's throwing more because he's throwing the shit out of the ball now. Yeah, and you that's can, what Duvall you, said. Yeah. Every pitch, he's throwing the shit out of it. He said he's yep. really throwing every pitch hard. He said that curveball, he's, he's throwing it. He's, he's really snapping it. it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you can just see that in his body language, but that's that's the biggest difference I've noticed in Kyle's uh, delivery is how aggressive his finish and follow-through is now Yeah, compared to, you know, when you'd see him nibble in the past, it's kind of yeah. like you'd, you'd see him just – kind of missing but he's just guiding the ball in there and it's a it's a good clean delivery but there doesn't look like there's any anger behind it yeah right now he looks confident and pissed off when he pitches and you know the hitters feel that too when a guy's just flying at you and coming at you with his best shit he misses and he just fires it right back in there and he's working fast like that yeah i mean it can be intimidating for hitters but that's the biggest notice i've difference in him the biggest difference i've noticed is just how aggressively i mean he just looks He's not overthrowing, but he's finishing the shit out of his pitches and he's coming at the hitters. And it's made a huge difference for him. I haven't seen him throw like that yet. Duvall said it started with Kyle. He said he, he was just getting after it. He was throwing everything it looked like with everything he had. Yep. He said his curveball and he did that snap. He goes, he was just, he wasn't holding back. He said, seeing that, it sends vibes through the team and through the lineup. Yes. And I'm glad we were able to get that one. Um, that's the game where Duvall had the big hit late. Uh, Wright was Wright had five innings, allowed five hits, two runs, no walks, and a career high nine strikeouts. Yeah, he dominated. Yeah, yeah. two I mean, starts he, this year, fifteen strikeouts with one walk in eleven innings. Yeah, but I mean the one walk tells you he's not nibbling too. 
but yeah. th- there's just something about it. You know, when, when you are aggressive and hitters feel that aggression, like you're coming at them, it puts them in swing mode Yeah, and it intimidates them and it engages them when you're nibbling. They're like, Oh, this guy's scared. And they'll just sit and wait for their pitch all day. But when you come at them, it, you know, s- strike one, strike two, those next two pitches don't even need to be anywhere close. And they're already thinking they got to swing because they, they feel that aggression that you have toward them. So I, I mean, just seeing that I'm, I've watched a little bit of his first start, but I watched that second one. I was like, this is a different guy. Yeah. So seeing him do that in two starts and then seeing Ian Anderson come back like he did and pitch like Ian Anderson's capable of pitching. That really makes you feel good about uh, four spots in the rotation. And now with elder, what he's done with Strider, if you wanted to use him, I think the big remaining question mark is, Enoah. And he gets his second start tonight. And you talk about a matchup. He's got to face Kershaw, who threw seven perfect innings his first time out, <laughs> which I did not think Kershaw still had in him, but he obviously does. So you got a matchup tonight. And it's a Noah's challenge to uh to come out and kind of erase what he did in that first starter or show them that he can be the guy that they need they, they can go to every five or six days. Yeah, and he's got to be the first guy to try to get Freddie out in a Dodger uniform. And how about that? I don't care what Freddie says. When you face a team, you got a chip on your shoulder. You know, I mean, he can say it's it's just business or whatever. He he didn't really say that, but I, I just when you face an old team, man, you want to get them and you want to prove a point. And I don't like facing Freddie when he's pissed off. Yeah, you know, Freddie's gonna come out fired up. I mean, yeah. he's he's gonna want to show them what you what they what they let go. You know. Yeah. That he's got plenty left and all that. So and yeah. I and I would think he's gonna feel that way for a while against the Braves, like every yeah. time, you know. Every time. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. For me, I, I faced Seattle after they released me in 2011. I, I got released in 08 and I went back and faced him at Safeco in 2011. And it was for me, it was just kind of closing a book. But with Freddie, he's gonna keep seeing him. And it's gonna be, you know, every year he's gonna have something to prove that that you know, they made a mistake, which Olsen's making that pretty tough to prove. But I think it'll feel, you know, it'll it'll feel awkward for him, but he'll also want to prove something pretty quick. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do another one of these. I think we're going to uh, do one of the new rooms tomorrow. If we do, we'll have you guys can get on board, listeners, and talk live with us. So that'll be interesting after after Freddie's first game against the Braves tonight. And, you know, it's Kershaw matchup and all that. So. But anyway, thanks, everybody, and uh, we're back in full mode now, and it's going to be fun. See what the Braves can do against the Dodgers. Three games before they go home, and that series right around the corner, and Ronald Acuna coming back soon. So That's it. 755 is real, and we're out. We're out.